Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of APIs Unplugged. My name is Matt McClarty. I'm the global field CTO for MuleSoft, and it's great to have you here. It's also great to have Mr. Mike Amundsen. Mike, what's going on? Hey, good to be with you again on another episode. I'm doing great. Uh, it's the end of the week here for me, and I'm looking forward to a very relaxing, although chilly, weekend. I'm having a good time. It's a good time of year. It's a crisp uh, fall day here in Vancouver. Uh, most fall days in Vancouver are not too crisp. They're drenched. <laughs> so I'm very happy to see the sun, which I don't know. You know, you never know. if You get a sunny day, you just go with it. Absolutely, but it's great. Absolutely. You know, we're, uh, we're, I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, this is one we've been talking about for a while uh, because I think it's a topic that is increasingly... Uh, relevant for for companies out there in the digital economy, um, we're going to be covering sort of best practices, you know, strategy uh, and tactics around launching API marketplaces. And yeah. for this for this topic, I'm you know, it's it's great to have uh, representation from a company called IQVIA, which is a I think a very fascinating company in the life sciences space, where you know they provide digital solutions, I think molecule to market uh, type solutions in support of a lot of life sciences customers. And there's a whole range for, you know, for anyone who's not in that industry, there's just a really fascinating range of products, services, capabilities, and, and a lot of different phases that, that companies go through as they go through the whole life cycle of bringing uh, life sciences products to market. So, um, IQV itself is a, is a is a great story too. One that I've uh, definitely been observing and and have, have written about in the past, in terms of just how effective the company has been with its digital strategy, starting very much from the top of that that vision statement, and really you know taking a, a jobs to be done approach, building a solid digital foundation, and I think that at this point where they're launching an API marketplace is really a, you know, an opportunity to surface a lot of that great work that's been going on. So, so for this episode, we're, we're delighted to have uh, Rena Sarkar, who's a product manager in digital products at IQVIA, and Sarah Horsfall, who's product manager in the natural language processing realm. So Rena and Sarah, welcome to APIs Unplugged. Thanks. Hey, guys. Great to, excited to be part of this. Likewise, we're lo really looking forward to um, uh, sharing with you guys all the good work we've been doing for the past couple of years and bringing this awesome product to market. And Sarah and I have been partnering um, together. We're like uh, um, soldiering on with the journey of bringing, you know, little nuggets <laughs> of really high class functional uh, code um, to help with, you know, closing gaps in healthcare and in life sciences. It's great to be here. That's that's awesome. That's and we and we 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 were just uh, really looking forward to that story. But we always we always do this on our show. We always want to. It's always interesting, I think, to see everyone's backgrounds. You know how you kind of got into this space. Uh, so we'll start with you, Rena. Like, what what's your background? How did you get into this crazy world of APIs? Really fortuitous. Um, I, I'm based out of North Carolina. 
uh, in the Research Triangle Park area in biotech is huge here. And for the longest time, I was uh, wanting to be part of IQVIA because they're, they have a huge presence here. Uh, my background is really in e-commerce enabled products and um and I also have happen to have a really good background in technology. So the marriage of two things sort of fell in place when IQVIA had this job opening and they loved my background and they were at that cusp of launching this API marketplace that was going to be self-serve, low-cost model, a kind of a first for the company. Uh, and so uh, I was brought on board to have it go live. Um, and I, I liken it to any marketplace, really, even like an Amazon-like experience, except mm-hmm. here we're selling like little functional um, code that's targeted towards like the developer and data scientist community. So that's a little bit about me and how I came to this role at IQVIA. That's a great. Sarah? Uh, yeah, so um, so I work within the IQVIA NLP division, uh, natural language processing, uh, which is basically a range of of tools and technologies that transforms unstructured biomedical data into structured, normalized data that can be easily analyzed. And they they had a range of tools. Um, I was a product manager there. I'd also had experience. Um, working in commercial strategies as well as an entrepreneur um, and I was brought into this project um, because it was identified that actually APIs um, would add a lot of value to our target customers making natural language processing technologies much easier to access. Um, So we'd just done um, a kind of review of uh, I think post-COVID really, um, just doing a review of the target audience um, and uh, in, in terms of better understanding what their priorities were when it came to buying uh, and using natural language processing technologies. Um, and we'd always delivered security, scalability, accuracy, um, But with the increasing amount of unstructured data um, and uh, off the back of COVID, um, there were some other key priorities and and lead time um, to actually get something set up and able to use without being an NLP expert um, was becoming more and more of a of a priority, um, as well as there being a broader audience of people that are not necessarily tech experts, but are key stakeholders that need the the, the benefits of natural language processing to help inform decision making. Um, but traditionally, the technology was is quite. Um, uh, complex to install and then um, there's a, a an amount of training that's involved to get you up to speed with it and um, that's a barrier that's a barrier to a wider audience uh, usage um, as well as the fact that uh, um, machine learning uh, and, 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 and AI um, is kind of definitely on the up with the uh, making sense of all of this unstructured big data and um, being able to embed NLP into workflows is more and more uh, of a priority. So that ability to make it easy to integrate um, as well as 
instantly accessible was something that we weren't necessarily addressing with our traditional technologies. Um, but actually, APIs could could solve all of that. Um, and so it was kind of a natural fit that we would be uh, that I would be working with Rena um, to pioneer this um, launch um, of this first healthcare API marketplace. So very exciting. Yeah, that's so. First, uh, it's it's great to be able to talk with with both of you, and and I, and I love that your your backgrounds are you know in product space and e commerce space as well as the actual technology of language processing and you know machine learning and things like that. That that all those are all the value elements, right? And and that really kind of brings to the fore this notion of lowering the barrier of entry and all these other things you were talking about, Sarah. Um, so uh, I think it's also important for people to, to kind of understand this is we're sort of like jumping right into the pool in the deep end, so to speak, understand more about what IQVIA is and what their who their customers are in, in the products and services in general that you offer. So maybe you could give us a little idea of, of, of what's going on with IQVIA itself outside the APIs in these particular uh, spaces. Uh, what what is it? What does IQVIA really do? What is what is sure? Yeah, I can take that. Um... Yeah. So we're um, IQVIA actually uh, is sort of the amalgamation of two companies that came together about mm. about three or four years ago. Uh, the healthcare data side merged with the CRO side, and then what you mean by CRO is a clinical research organization. Uh, these two companies merged IMS Health and Quintiles and formed IQVIA, which now is not only just a healthcare data rich company. So we sell a lot of healthcare data to all the various top, you know, uh, life sciences companies, but we also run clinical trials, uh, right. m- you know, like you had said, more from like the molecule all the way to the marketing and the real mm-hmm. world um, side uh, of a life sciences um, uh, life cycle, right? Uh, in addition, we also um, have digital products, which we develop based on uh, what we see in the clinical space, what we um, see on the marketing commercial side and outreach and the real world side. So we sort of bring all of those, uh, all of that expertise that we have and blend it into products that may make the most sense in uh, furthering, you know, research and furthering the adoption of newly uh, found effective drugs and med tech. So, um, that's that's sort of the sweet spot that we're in. We kind of do a lot of things like that's why the company's as big as it is and the reach is as wide as it is. Wow. Yeah, and it's and as I said before, I think there's just the variety of 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 different functions and capabilities that are required to support customers along the way is so diverse and I I just think it's really interesting taking that sort of customer-centric view uh, has really led to a diversity of products and services. But to me, you know, that's the power of the digital economy is to be able to to cover a wide spectrum of services and be very customer focused. So, so speaking of sort of customer mindset and you know consumer mentality uh, about this marketplace specifically, um, you know who who are the shoppers? Who who you you we you know one of the things that we've observed in the API economy is a lot of times people will sort of start with the data or the service and, and throw it out there and see uh, who wants to use it. But, you know, in this case, do you have specific 
users in mind? Is there a profile for who's going to be your primary uh, consumer on the marketplace? I mean, for us, in terms of the, the NLP APIs, yes, um, our our target user um, is the healthcare data scientist. Um, so it's quite a, it's a high growth market, but it's also quite a relatively new movement, um, uh, reflecting the high rise in unstructured data in, in the industry, um, which is basically meaning that most 97% of healthcare data is unused. So there's a huge need to make sense of that. Um, but th- because it's relatively new, um, it's actually uh, quite a broad role to target. Um, and, it, and it kind of combines roles that were previously described as bioinformaticians, programmers, business analysts, data analysts, um, basically roles that are responsible for gathering and analysing large sets of structured and unstructured healthcare data um, who have day-to-day headaches of, of uh, making sense of noisy, messy data. Um, but it's it's a key role. It's a key role, um, and it, it's working really closely with domain experts and decision makers. Um, and it, it kind of combines that programming expertise with domain expertise. Sometimes that's in the same person, um, but often you'll get a, a data scientist that's a programmer building machine learning models that wants to be used in in predictive analytics so they have the programming skills but they don't necessarily have the domain expertise Um, or alternatively they're the domain experts they might be PhDs um, who've quickly been promoted to the role of data scientists and really quickly need to learn Python on the job Um, so they've got the kind of the questions and the domain expertise but not necessarily the Python skills to, to quickly get started with an NLP API so that's our our challenge is to really target that market, but appeal um, and be valuable to the different types of data scientists to help them quickly get started with them. Um, and we've kind of done that by make, um, creating profiles for each API um, that kind of gives that description of what the API does, um, as well as giving sample code examples um, so that we kind of get we, we provide assistance both on the domain side, but also um, on the programmatic side. Yeah, I mean, this leads me to, uh, I've worked a little bit with companies that do some of the clinical trials, but I mean, this was back in the day when we were faxing documents back and forth and doing OCR reads. And I mean, I, it's unstructured data, you know, is super, super challenging. Um, but I, it leads me to ask a bunch of other questions. So how does NLP really come into play here? How, how, what problems does NLP solve for your, for your users? Um, so, yeah, so the initial suite, um, we've, we've, lo- we've launched six NLP APIs this year. So we've really, mm. we've got a good, um, a good selection uh, for targeting both healthcare and life sciences markets. Um, and each API is is built with a, a an NLP algorithm um, that addresses a specific purpose, and it's 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 what we have found to be a commonly um, a, a common use case within the sector. Um, so our our most our most uh, general API is healthcare concepts, um, and that's designed to recognise 
key healthcare entities and patterns in data. So users can basically upload their own unstructured medical records and then quickly find out what drugs and dosages are covered in a particular data set. Uh, we've also got um, another example is, is uh, one called Social Determinants of Health, uh, which identifies seven, 75 topics, uh, uh, social determinants of health topics, and it normalises them into 14 different categories. So you can quickly surface information from uh, patient records to understand the social determinants of health affecting a patient population um, so that, that that data scientist can can kind of better understand uh, patients that are at increased risk of certain diseases um, so that they can really target ca- um, care plans. Um, and typically these APIs are embedded into a workflow, as I mentioned earlier, earlier on. Um, for example, it will be to structure data, so a machine learning algorithm to predict and better manage patient outcomes um, is only going to be as good as the data that's fed into it. Um, And if you're feeding in unstructured, messy data to an ML algorithm, you're not going to get accurate predictions. Um, And so plugging in NLP um, through an easily embeddable API is going to massively increase the quality um, of that ML output. Wow. I. I think that's those are amazing examples. I, I love the fact that you know you're providing that social determinants of health dimension. Um, I think it, you know what's interesting in the data science realm uh, is that as opposed to maybe more operational systems where you've got very well known functions, there's there's an element of just experimentation and exploration that happens. So you've given some really good structured API examples. What if those data scientists just have you know they're just curious and they want other questions answered you know what or do you have a way of handling that um yeah absolutely so um the 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 api marketplace that's publicly available um as i said that they're, they're, they're pre-built nlp apis which are generally um helpful for users to get started so they can kind of get started and get an understanding of how NLP can work on their data but as you say inevitably they're like oh actually I want this topic can you extract this particular hit Um, and for that we build custom APIs Um, so users will will generally use the marketplace it might be that they find one that that covers exactly what they need and for an MVP for example if they're they're putting together a minimal viable product for something um, something that meets 70-80% 70-80% of what you want is is good enough. So you can get started immediately um, on uh, in embedding an NLP into an, M, into, uh, an MVP. Um, and then once you know a little bit more about what your, your specific re- requirements are, um, that's where uh, we can bring in the other related technologies that we've got, whether that is another custom API um, or whether it's a, a, a bigger solution that allows users more configuration and more, more control of the NLP algorithm that sits behind it. So we've, we've got the ability to have custom APIs, but um, we've also recently launched um, two, uh, a pair of APIs, the content store search APIs, um, and they do enable users to search the IQVIA content store. Um, so they can create any search and they can 
retrieve uh, documents from the content store, which actually has about 200 million biomedical journals, um, and then they can extract features of interest. So it really complements the suite of APIs. You've got the fixed set where you can kind of have a look and and find whether there's an off-the-shelf one that meets your needs, or you can have a look at the custom APIs. um, Sorry, you can have a look at the content store APIs, um, and you can build your own search, or you can work with us to uh, to, to build a, a custom API. Yeah, that was that was the, what I was kind of picking up on is you you actually um, not only do you have a, a handful of of handy products, but then you have the ability to kind of custom tailor. Like I don't have to do just sort of do the suit off the rack kind of thing. I can sort of tailor what I need. That that sort of brings. We're talking about a marketplace, and we're talking about launching you know, a, a marketplace that leads to the notion of exchange, e-commerce. So how, how do I pay? Do I pay for storage? Do I pay on API calls? How does, how does that sort of work for you? Um, so all of the, the NLP APIs, um, those that take in customer data, in fact, all of them, they, they basically charge on a per unit base, basis. Uh-huh. Um, and all of them offer a, a free license. So you can literally, there's no barriers. You can get started for free. Um, and you're allowed, um, at the moment, it's up to 5,000 units a month. Um, and a unit um, will vary dependent on how you use the API. So if the user's uploading their own data um, to process, then mm-hmm. one unit will be 1,000 characters. If they're uploading document IDs to retrieve those documents from the content store, a unit will be a document ID. And if they're extracting features of interest, it's it's per feature. And um, so we're trying to keep it as simple as possible, but also um, accommodating the different ways in which the APIs are used. Yeah, that's that's a challenge, right? Yeah. And but I I think this is so reflective of how much thought has gone into. From sitting in the user's seat, and I think that for these NLP APIs, it's that's just uh, it's it's great to see how much thought you've put into it. How much you know you're looking sort of inside the the context of what the user needs, as well as b- more broadly around how it plays across the whole landscape of, of you know broader customers, uh, IQVIA's customers. And I think that's for our listeners, right? That's really informative. Um, you know, one of the things we're always fighting against in the API community is this notion, if, if you build it, they will come kind of a thing. Like so much, I think, of the of the success of this is going to be based on all this great thinking that's gone into things. Now, and, and Matt, I wanted to add, uh, in addition, I know Sarah um, is focused on the NLP APIs, but the marketplace will have many categories of APIs. NLP is our first baby that we launched with. But pretty soon we'll be bringing more analytics types APIs as well, more data-oriented APIs. And each of those will have very different probably subscription packages because mm-hmm. each consider each of them as a different product, right? Catering to a different community of developers or data scientists. And so that's why when Sarah mentioned unit, that unit of consumption could be different for different APIs. In the NLP scenario, it's based off off of characters, right? Because that's what they're doing. They're parsing uh, unstructured data. 
Um, in the scenario of analytics, it might be based on the number of API calls being made. So we're definitely going to be able to support all these different kinds of models on the API marketplace. And, and that's great because that gives you the opportunity to tie, you know, usage with, to value, right? Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think that's one of the big challenges for API product uh, companies is how do you align the, the pricing model with the value model for customers? And I think you, you've got flexibility to do that and, and all the great thinking that's gone into the NLP API. So sort of, you know, and to, great segue, Rena, because I was going to ask about... Uh, about, you know, this is a great, like, again, the lesson for the listeners is how much domain thinking goes into each product line that goes on here, whereas the marketplace is is, a, is more of a general uh, store, you know, place where people can find all kinds of APIs. How, how do you determine what APIs to put in the marketplace, right? Like, who are the, who are the API producers that, that may, maybe they're coming next? Like, how, how do you yeah. determine what goes into the market? It's it's a it's been a journey where we've developed a sort of a checklist for the producers um, that helps them evaluate uh, a couple of things around uh, their API. Um, one of them, obviously, is the business viability, right, of the API. Have they thought through who would be the user and how often do they use it? So we have a lot of like almost a 20 question sort of a checklist on the business side. And the other would obviously be the technical viability as well, right? How stable is the uh, endpoint going to be? Is the interest, what kind of infrastructure can it take concurrency of requests? Um, those are some of the things that we um, have them fill out. And once they have that, then we sort of do a, scoring on both like the business and technical side and we obviously go with you know the low-hanging fruit right whatever is the most ready has the most value to and is the most well thought out in terms of positioning of the product uh is it green space is it sort of already got a competitor out there how they thought about um how they will differentiate themselves if there is a competitor i mean just classic product positioning the three p's right so Mm-hmm. All of those things go into our evaluating who's next, um, uh, and it, it's 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 not an exact science, but um, there's definitely been a lot of thought put into what those twenty questions on both business and technical look look like. The nice thing too is that we don't enforce what their technical infrastructure stack needs to look like um, because of you know us using MuleSoft as the gateway and. Uh, basically they can be in any technology stack all we act as sort of the proxy to reveal the endpoint through the storefront so it really helps expedite the process of bringing apis to the marketplace yeah and and this leads again another another great segue this leads again to a question that that matt and i had discussed and that is sort of moving away from the particular how do I figure out which products make sense and going through that you have an you know an excellent vetting process as you say it's a journey you also have this you have this journey of actually developing the marketplace itself right not just the products inside but the marketplace itself and you must i mean that's got to be super challenging as well there there has to be lots of key key experience that you can pass along, maybe even some pitfalls you can share with this notion of actually establishing that uh, 
marketplace, that two-way market. And maybe maybe you can share a little bit on, on what it's been like mm-hmm. on that particular journey, sort of that level up kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when I first came on board, um, I was handed like, hey, here, here are 24 APIs. We're ready, right? But <laughs> nobody did any analysis <laughs> on what those APIs did, how, you know, the whole business case for it, the technical stack, um, none of that was done. So uh, after I did some of that analysis of the 24, we were left with five, you know, that, uh, that met the uh, challenge of will it, will it actually be a viable product to launch? And that was basically Sarah's suite of products, right, that we're talking about today. Um, the journey is exciting and challenging, to say the least. The most important thing that I've learned through the whole process is that I was lucky to have a, a visionary leader who brought me in and he had seen the rise of the API economy and um, knew our uh, environment really well, where he knew a lot of our development teams were doing microservices-based um, architecture. So we did have APIs. And so having that wind on your back is just very critical, right? And the other thing was that he was very, he was really a good salesperson too. So he went and convinced top leadership that this was something to bet on. Um, and so we got the funding to at least get started with a f- first few of the APIs that were identified as good candidates. Um, I'd say uh, a lot of it has to do with analysis paralysis too, right? Sometimes you <laughs> just kind of get stuck in a rut thinking, oh, I have to get this right. I have to get this perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did a quick and dirty sort of market analysis. We involved a research firm and they came back with some learnings from the market. We took some of that. And then, you know, I would say to Sarah and her team's credit, they just came up with a, a subscription tier and decided this is how we'll do it. They certainly had some com- competitor analysis that also helped a bit. And then they were able to differentiate and position the products pretty well. Uh, but they didn't get stuck in that, you know, oh, we need to get it. Right. The whole idea was launch it, iterate through it, learn from what the usage data tells us, and then make it better. Right. So that that's the test and learn model needs to be entrenched in every company. I think, like small nuggets of functional viability that are launched, you quickly iterate, learn, and you know then make the corrections and. The last thing I'll say on that is if you can get a customer that is willing to be an advisory role, that is also um, perfect, right? Um, we've, unfortunately, we did have a few customers that were interested but didn't quite pan out. Uh, but well, after we launched, we're now actually getting a few customers that are interested in our other APIs that we haven't launched yet. And we're trying to follow that role of advisory customers who, who you know, test it for us at no cost. And then we learn from that data and uh, launch it commercially with a price tag attached. There was a, there was a ton of best, uh, you know, really good lessons in there, I think. And that last one of having launch partners is really good. I think the, yeah. And the sort of experimental culture uh, again, that's digital solutions offer us that opportunity to, to, to get things out in the market more. I think, I think there is probably we're still sort of adapting the processes that we all learned in the in the world of mass manufacturing physical products where you know the cost of a mistake 
before launch in the physical world could be a lot more expensive, but in the digital world, maybe less expensive. So it's great to hear you're already putting that in practice. Now, you mentioned the, the sponsorship thing, which again is huge. Um, and some of those practices, I'm just curious, like it's something I alluded to in the intro, like IQVIA, and, and you just said as well, has been adopting microservice architecture and has been using APIs and API-led architecture for a while. Were there practices that you kind of learned through that internal usage of APIs that have been applied to the marketplace? Yeah, to an extent, I'd say um, uh, it helps to have that, you know, API first mentality when you're developing code um, and digital products. Um, But it also gave us some pause in terms of how we do that, right? We're a huge company. We have lots of global units. We also have Um, some places where we collaborate and certain we don't. When I was doing an assessment of what APIs we have and what we can use and launch commercially, what I noticed was there was not a lot of collaboration. So um, the reuse and standardization wasn't happening, right? So that led us to make certain changes internally to um, say, hey, we can also launch an internal marketplace and bring our APIs into that internal marketplace for reuse and collaboration. So not only do we have an external marketplace, we also have an internal marketplace in order to start standardizing and reusing APIs. And there were even, you know, shortening our product development lifecycle times, right? Time to market. Um, I would say we're not there yet, but we've started the process of, developing a cataloging mechanism for the APIs that is easy to search, find, and then releasing them to an internal marketplace for reuse. Yeah. So as sort of sort of a follow-up to that, again, this is another, it's another big nugget. So you talked about this notion of an internal marketplace, and I, I, I suspect that has a lot to do with developer experience. You're talking about collaboration and all these other things. So, there, there's there's this sort of balance between the lessons that you that you learn internally and the lessons that you that you apply to your public facing uh, uh, marketplace as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, we always say DX developer experience is really important, but what does that really mean? Uh, what are the takeaways that that you end up with when you really start to focus in on that? How to balance the internal and the public? Yeah, I think regardless of whether it's internal or external, there's always a customer, right, at the core. Mm. And so I don't believe in having any, uh, you know, uh, sort of a caste system. They're all the same. They're consumers of the products we're offering. So I always keep a very customer-centric view of any product uh, that I'm responsible for launching. So we want our developers, you know, to get onboarded in a frictionless, very quick, a few clicks, you're on your way, right? So that was a big focus of, of the marketplace, whether it was internal or external. You come in, you register with very few questions. In fact, for the internal ones, it's all SSO. So you don't even have to do any of that because we already know who you are. But mm-hmm. uh, for the external too, the focus was just the minimal basic information that we need from you. And you're on this uh, on the homepage. You browse, you educate, and you commit. And even the commitment phase is extremely simple, right? You just go in, you fill out bare minimum things like, "Hey, give me your application name." 
this, uh, which instance do you want a, of the endpoint? Uh, click off for an agreement based on that. And then you are assigned tokens, take it. And you are now accessing the API in production, right? And you can embed it in your product to extend it. So in addition, we also extended some other features like we added e-commerce capability where you can put down a credit card for the paid path. But we have freemium that is so simple. You don't even have to put a credit card down. You're just on your way, just like Sarah was saying um, earlier. So simplifying the user experience is a huge part of product adoption, right? And so people can come back and they're delighted and they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to fill out what again? How many times? Um, so that's that's the experience is, in my opinion, unified, whether you're on the internal or external marketplace. Yeah. Now, the only thing the internal marketplace doesn't have that the external one has is the e-commerce functionality, right? In the internal case, we have like, chargebacks and stuff, but in an external one is the one we enabled with credit card functionality. I, I love, I love how much time we're really spending focusing on the consumers because so many times working with organizations, they're, they're very focused on the back end side. And I think that all of the, the work of the empathy, user empathy you're displaying here and thinking through the whole business model is just so, so valuable. And I think it's, it's just great work, but you know, just just one question that you know, if if I just kind of focus on the back the back end, the provider side <laughs> for a sec, a lot of times companies sort of start their API programs thinking about standards and guidelines and so on. Is that is that something that you have at IQVIA for for standardizing uh, standards or guidelines around APIs? I mean, for the NLP APIs, um, it's something that is. Uh, a kind of a continuous learning curve. I mean, we, we we know that consistency in how the APIs work is massively important to the users and to making sure that they are easy to use and easy to, to embed and plug in. Um, and, you know, so based on a, a, an understanding of what the use cases are and how our users want to use NLP, we have some standards um in terms of they they all take text inputs, they all give JSON output because it's easy to pass. Um, but ultimately, as Rena said before, you know, it's about test and learn. Um, so we, we uh, you know, kind of seeking feedback from our early users um, in terms of how easy it is and any barriers that they're experiencing. Um, so there's, 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 there is that side of it. Um, and then there's also, you know, creating those guidelines for our internal dev teams to make sure that the the kind of the outputs of the APIs are unified um and uh yeah so I think in terms of across the team um I'm not sure whether Rena can can speak to this but yeah for the for the NLP APIs we um we have some standards, but it's uh, it's an ongoing process of listening and um, taking on feedback and updating and improving the way the APIs are working for the users. 
Yeah, I, I'd agree with Sarah on the approach. There, there isn't anything very prescriptive right now in terms of standardizing. It's more of mm-hmm. right now we just have one category and our APIs. Pretty soon we're going to bring a healthcare consumer API as well. And if we see that between categories, there is a use case to be built for consumers to uh, consume both sets of categories and build extensive products, then yes, we will certainly address that by way of standardizing the API uh, from a parameter naming uh, concept to all the way to how, you know, some of the JSON um, responses come back or XML. So, yeah, but right now, um, nothing too prescriptive. Yeah. And I actually, I like that very much. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself on the skis, right? If if we need this, we'll do this. You you respond. It's an iterative kind of way. I, I, I really appreciate that a lot. A lot of people get, that's sort of like what Matt was saying, right? Get wrapped around the axle about some technical background. We, when you really have a client focus, then when the client needs that, or when the customers need that, when the developers have a need, you can respond at that time. I love that. I love that thought. Now, we've kind of been ignoring a, 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 a big elephant in the room, and that is patient data. You are, it's, as a marketplace, you're in an incredibly important situation, you know, place in this whole notion of dealing with sensitive data. And, you know, there's, there's, there are all sorts of standards with HIPAA and GDPR and other things. So how how does, how does that work? How do you approach this really important space of dealing with patient data? You're absolutely right. And, you know, these, these APIs and the NLP APIs are, are designed exclusively for the healthcare sector. We've been working in that sector for over 20 years um, and yes, it's it's highly, highly regulated and one where the, the privacy and security of patient data is absolutely critical to our users. Um, so this has been something that's been designed into the whole platform right from the start. Um, and so the NLP APIs are, have been built to, um, to meet uh, HIPAA and GDPR requirements in terms of the servers that they're, they're housed on, which is the, the highest standards, as we know, of, of privacy and data protection in the world. Um, so we've, we've had to ensure that that technology is set up so that data um, is not moved or processed outside mm. of its original mm. region. Um, so we support currently US and EU regions, um, and we've got um, the, you know the use of of the APIs is tracked and traced with with user IDs. Um, and crucially, I think in, you know in order to actually subscribe to any of the NLP APIs, um, a user must accept. Um, a business associate agreement if they're planning on using US-based APIs um, or a data processing agreement if they're going to uh, subscribe to and use a, an EU-based NLP API. So this is kind of setting out the standards that's expected of both parties um, to extend that, that accountability uh, to keep patient data private and secure. Um, both within our organisation and our technical setup and in theirs. And we're just, you know, we're, we're assessed as part of a, a HIPAA audit that's looking at, that looks at administrative safeguards, physical safeguards, breach notification, and all of the policies, procedures and awareness of our people 
um, as well as the technical safeguards. Um, so it's it's a thorough independent audit that we we go through and we are going through um, to make sure that our processes and people are held to the highest standards of accountability when it comes to handling that personal health information. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. I, I think, you know, it, it, there's something I'm just kind of hearing through all these answers and it was something that's come in a few different forms is this, this almost uh, pairing of pairing of knowledge, right? Like one of the thing that just comes across in all of the work that you're describing here is this matching of real it's probably more than two, but real domain expertise in the technology side and real domain expertise in the business side. We just heard about all the f- thorough work around data privacy. There's the whole getting into the world of machine learning and understanding design- data scientists and how their knowledge matches with, with other stakeholders. Uh, Rena, your background on uh, e-commerce and thinking through so just all these cross-discipline, these all these different disciplines of knowledge that have come into this is just fascinating to hear, and I think is very informative for people, for listeners who are are you know going to be creating their own marketplaces. Uh, just the the level of thought that's gone into it is is awesome. I think that uh, obviously, if you're in the life sciences space, um, there's some incredible products here that can help. That can help your company uh, on their whole life cycle, and even, uh, you know, as, as was described earlier, really lowering the barrier of entry for some of these high tech capabilities to be plugged into the workflows for your for your company. So this is just awesome. So people want to learn more about IQVIA or the marketplace or the services there. Uh, what's the best place to go? Yeah, the best place I think the best way to access the marketplace itself and start you know, playing with our NLP APIs and embedding it and extending your products is, uh, I'll read out the link. It is iqvia.com forward slash NLP dash APIs. Um, that will take them to our website where they can read about the NLP APIs. And there's a link from there to go and get on the registration page. And uh, like I said, the registration is pretty simple. Um, it launches you straight onto the NLP APIs um, page, and then they can start to um, play with the console and test out what you know requests and a response um, model would look like. Uh, we're also I also want to point out that we also do have a future lineup of APIs coming down the road pretty soon from all aspects of life sciences and healthcare. Right, those things like clinical. R&D, regulatory, intelligence, pharmacovigilance, consumer healthcare, commercial side, real world side, analytics um, suite of products. Um, So our belief is that by offering up these very useful AI-based algorithms commercially, we can potentially reduce product development life cycles for our customers and any costs associated with that development um, and make the world a much better and healthier place quicker what a way to what a way to finish i think that's yeah. that's awesome the uh we're very excited to see what unfolds and it's just to see how much work's gone into to getting to this point it's just it's it's really informative so uh yeah we, we can't wait for the world to be a better healthier place um so huge thank you for sharing all this great information, Rena and Sarah. It's been a a real pleasure to have you on here. 
Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm sure the listeners have benefited greatly, whether it's uh, companies interested in using the services or companies that are looking at their own API marketplaces and, and individuals. So that's been it's been a great episode. Uh, Mike, thank you as always. You betcha. Again, I'm just learning more and more stuff here. I love it. I love it every time. Thank you very, very much. Yep, and enjoy your your crisp fall day. And uh, yes, and uh, and thanks to all the listeners for joining. We look forward to seeing you next time on APIs Unplugged. Bye for now. <laughs>